Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're back for yet another fantastic episode of HR Talk. This is going to be the part two in the life and times of the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who knows no bounds, the man who said someday... I will take the world of HR and turn it on its head. I am the master and commander. I am the man, the myth, the legend. I am more than Ron Burgundy could even ever imagine being. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the guy who believes the Cokies are real, that chases the chupacabra in his free time, that hunts down the Bigfoot and teaches him the inner workings of emotional intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Baez. Or people clap. <laughs> first of all, first of all, they're Mr. JC. Cookies and chupacabras are 100% real. You said cookies. Cookies and <laughs> chewing bakras. <laughs> cookies. Man, I don't know what he's saying. He keeps saying cookies and chuggy bakras or chewbacca's. <laughs> cookies and chewbacca's is real, and no. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> oh man welcome back to Dad, your show how are you doing think i'm doing good brother how about you let me tell you something i'm doing pretty fantastic I, first before we even get started today i need to do a, a special shout out uh, a, a extra thank you going out to uh to to karen and, and terrence and larry and uh and our our intern <laughs> For everything that you're doing to make this show what it is, the magic that you're bringing to the table. Yes. Uh, we do have interns. They rotate throughout the span of the year. A lot of times they turn out to be uh, college students that actually failed a semester that need to try to accrue some extra credits. And uh, many times they wind up dropping Why are you out. putting of co- this stuff out there? <laughs> well, many times they drop out of college. <laughs> so okay. when once they finally drop out and they're like, well, look, I should probably intern somewhere. And we're like, we can't pay you. They're like, yes, well, we need the, we want the experience. We're like, we will give you an experience. Oh, that we, now, yeah. little did I realize through the opportunity of providing others experience, we would have such a magical journey in and of ourselves through this yeah. process. What happened on Twitter around the birthday? There, there was a whole storm and slew of activity. Uh, HR had to get involved. Your birthday got transposed. <laughs> you're supposed to, you're 64 on file. You're 46 in the public <laughs> domain. The intern puts it out in one way, gets retracted. Karen reaches out. She's using the account without permission. What happened, Rick? Well, yes, it, uh, there was a snafu last week. Last week was my birthday, uh, last Tuesday. And, um, yeah, it, it, I saw on Twitter that they were uh, telling me happy birthday, the Our HR Talk podcast Twitter handle, and wishing me a, hey, Ricky, happy 46th birthday. Yeah, because you're a big like, Jets <laughs> fan, too, right? <laughs> that hit, yes. I, so, okay, I don't know what, what was more <laughs> offensive, the fact that I was older or the fact that I was a Jets fan. So I'm putting both of those up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, so, 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 yeah, the messages are flying back and forth. The, the picture goes out on the gram, on the tweets, on the, on the everythings. And he's saying a big special happy birthday to you. And everyone's chiming in and, and there's pomp and circumstance. And then other, other people are chiming in about your age and not realizing how old you really were. And then, and then Karen got involved. What happened with Karen? Ricky. Well, I mean, what happened with your records? 
<laughs> well, I mean, again, she just put up the wrong the wrong date, and it wouldn't be as bad if people didn't tell me like, "Oh, you're younger than I thought." <laughs> And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> that means not only did the tweet go out telling me I was a little bit older, but you thought but you I was even bad. older than that. Yeah, you look terrible. <laughs> you look way older than what you are. Oh, my God. Look at his face. I do. Such I a do brutal life on this guy. I didn't realize you were 10 years younger. <laughs> oh, my God. Here's, a, here's an AARP pamphlet. Yeah, yeah right? Thanks. Hey, yeah, nothing wrong with getting old. Hey, there's nothing wrong with those discounts either. 15% off at Danny's is nothing to shake a stick at, let me tell you. No, just going to Denny's is something to shake a stick at. But if you, <laughs> but if you go to Golden Corral, then I'm already ah, oh, that's even worse. Oh man, do you remember the uh, what was that one? The the ground, the ground round, or the pounding ground, or something? I don't know. You went, you weighed yourself, and then that's how much your meal cost. Uh, do you remember that? Wait a minute, I told you about that. That happened here in Orlando. No, 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 no. You never told me about that. That was a life experience of mine over here. What are you talking about? What happened? No, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, it's a, no, it's a, it used to be an actual restaurant around the area. You would go, you'd weigh yourself, and that's that's what you would pay. <laughs> and kids were no. free. So it's funny you say that. Um, there was a uh, dude. Have you ever walked out having to pay one hundred forty six dollars as a teenager? Oh my god! <laughs> no, it was fourteen dollars. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Five. Yeah, no, it's no, fine. Um, go ahead. I went to this. Uh, this is about ten years ago. Walked into a. Uh, oh, hold on, hold on. We're doing a little. Cheers. DC got his. I got mine. There we go. For people who can't see, it's Monday night. And um, yes, it was that kind of a week so far <laughs> that we need a little bit of shots. Hold on. All right. So you no. had a restaurant down there, and there's something about yeah, it weight was, um, and, and money? No, not, not, not weight. It was about God, 10 years ago. And um, we all decided to go into this, uh, me- this brand new Mex- Mexican restaurant in downtown Orlando. And as soon as you walk in, this is when the quotations on authentic go out the window because it was authentic. You go in, you sit down, and you could tell that it was a family that was cooking this meal. There was no uniform. There was no nothing. It was a kid taking an order, right? It, it, you could tell he just finished doing his homework. Dude, this sounds like a grandma. very unique Taco Bell. Go on. No, no, it's not a Taco Bell. Okay. It was it's just, I, I, I honestly forgot. So the, maybe it was called anyway. Baco Tell. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> no. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I placed the order. I I didn't see how much it was. I just said, okay, they can't be, these tacos can't be no more than two bucks per taco. Let me just go ahead and order three. Sure. I ordered three. I got some nachos. I got some queso or whatever. And I got some, um, for people who don't know, horchata, which is, that is a, a milk-based Mexican drink. It's really good. Anyway, so we ate, had a good time. It was really good food. We're, we're going to pay our bill. You have to walk up to pay the bill. They don't come to you. And um, I'm noticing that every time it, it, the, somebody goes to pay, the kid looks at the person like with a weird look and, okay, here you go. You pay and, and you go. It got to me and I'm like, here's my card. And I'm like, wait, how much is it? So he kind of looks at me like, like really like up and down and trying to get like everything, every detail of my body in. And then he's like, um, yeah, yeah, 12.59. Like what? <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> he just looked me up and down and was like trying to decide how much this is going to cost. 12.59. Where'd that like, come from? <laughs> how do you come out with 12.59? Oh no, that's how much it is. I'm like, 
okay. So then he started talking in Spanish. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go there. I want him to tell me why, what, what about I ate was 12.59. And he still couldn't tell me. So fine. I spoke to him in Spanish. And he's like, no, it's 12.59. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he couldn't tell me why it was 12.59. Okay. But everybody's making fun of me because everybody, I was, I was there with three other people. And they're like, I think he's done by weight. I think he looked at you, <laughs> looked you up and, and down. And approximated he, your weight. It's, there's no other explanation. And he did that to everybody in there. Because you are clearly 129 pounds. <laughs> I mean, so there's, there's no mistake in this. Dude, that's why I was like, it oh, was by kilograms. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> they're losing money with me. Because I'm like, that should have been at least a thousand something dollars. We paid by the pill- <laughs> kilogram over here. <laughs> right? Oh, that's good. Hey, uh, there's oh. a lot of movement right now. A lot of movement right now on the social medias. There was a, uh, the intern actually took a, a large risk and jumped out of the box and hit the gas on our TikTok. Now, listen, I understand that. that there's a huge national security threat as per the mainstream media right now as to the use of TikTok. Let's not even talk about the fact that companies like DJI, the ones that uh, make the, the software for your drones and stuff, might be a larger risk. But no, that's fine. We're not even going to get into that. So everyone's debating this whole thing about the tiki-taki, right? And let at the same time, it's it's one of the most popular applications that's out there for the electronic telephones that are in your hand, the cellular kind. It's unbelievable, right? So there's so, there's things getting dug up, Rick. There's messages being dug up. You had sent messages going back like about a year, cooking food, getting the smoker ready, and these things are showing up on the tiki-taki. It's unbelievable. It's magic, I tell you. Please don't say tiki-taki. Just, that's what it's called, the tiki-taki, oh right? So the millennials okay, so, don't want us there, but we're there now. <laughs> we are there to to as much as I wanted to, as much as I was resisting, because yeah. I I still can't figure resisting. Out. You set it up. <laughs> <laughs> I did not set it up. All I know is like I'm like really TikTok. I I haven't figured out Snapchat yet. Let me figure <laughs> out Snapchat. Then I'll move on to TikTok. All right, ladies and gentlemen, paint the picture. It's a tough day in Wisconsin when you sit down with your board. And you know that you have a panel of 12 people around you, that full council. And that conversation comes up about the tiki-takis. And you got old guys <laughs> like us that are talking about core business. And we're like, this has no place out there. And then next thing you know, the demographics are changing because everyone's locked home. Yeah. And they're all doing their little dances and stuff. And now people are getting onto it left and right. And there's employment labor attorneys on the tiki-takis. And there's really? there's HR uh, generalists and specialists and directors. And there's all these wow. people. It's unbelievable the things that are happening. There's people going on there complaining about their employer, like EEOC-level complaints about their employer on the tiki-takis. <laughs> and they know nothing know about the EEOC. They're, they're still trying to figure out why they should hopefully maybe get paid 14 to $15 an hour someday. And they're, they're making the wild claims. It's absolutely unbelievable the magic that you're finding. Uh, but as always, enjoy at your own risk. We don't, we don't uh, endorse anything. And, and so, you know, that's just how it is. So, so sitting with that board, that was eye-opening, Rick. When you said, it's time for the tiki-takis, and you agreed to this, you know? <laughs> I don't know what board meeting you're talking about, but maybe I said, hey, can I have some Tic Tacs? And maybe that was misunderstood. Maybe that was it. Maybe that's People what happened. Thought, oh, my God, we need a Tiki Taki page. <laughs> so, okay, that's probably what happened. 
That's probably what happened. I got that. I was just trying to get you to say it that way. That's all I've been trying to do. (laughs) There you go. Mic drop. What's it called again? Tiki Taki. I'm saying it with a Puerto Rican accent. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Hey, uh, speaking about being Puerto Rican, um, there's something that happened. (laughs) I know. I know. There's something that happened last week. You you know that person has something wrong in their head. You know, you, you know, they do. Yeah. You know, and MET stands for medical examination processing something, right? Is is the medical examination they gave you before you can go to boot camp? Uh, everybody has a go medical it, examination branch. processing and subtle touching. <laughs> MEPS. <laughs> MEPS. MEPS. got it. <laughs> and then uh, it, come it's, here, we come went. Come here, Mister Baez. Please touch your toes <laughs> again for me. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not doing that. No, you have to. So, so I don't I don't know if this happened to you or not. Um, we went to the airport after the examination. Um, flew we we had to fly to Hilton Head Airport, which is not too far from Paris Island. It was late at night, and we got no instructions, none whatsoever okay, okay, on who okay. to meet. Okay, I want to put a pause on the story right here, real quick, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to HR Talk. Feel free to stop by hrtalkpodcast.com for details and more information about this program. Today, we're dissecting the uh, the life of uh, the star of the show, Ricky Baez. You. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm telling you, this guy here. So last week, we, we delved into part one of your life, like your entire life. We went from the time that you were born and the stories of, of how you saw the light for the first time coming out of the darkness and, and into that light. Uh, I don't remember then, that conversation. <laughs> maybe that was a different show, but it's yeah, good. It was a different so show. So you, you, you told all these magical stories and took us on this journey of Ricky yeah. from Puerto Rico to New Jersey to the South Bronx to another to, to a basement in the South Bronx to an upper level apartment in the yeah. South Bronx to, to multiple muggings. Uh, to a lot of crime and fighting and, yep. and the level of hip-hop integration. On the receiving end. It, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, receiving hip-hop is always a good thing, no, I, I just guess. No, right? I wasn't committing crimes. Oh, you mean the muggings or the hip-hop? The muggings. Right? It, was, oh, okay. it was the receiving end. Yes. When you chimed in, I, I was talking about hip-hop, so I was oh, presuming that you were receiving hip-hop. I it's okay. I thought it would be confusing. So then, and then you moved down to Orlando, and you made uh, friends with the security guard at high school, and you used <laughs> to buy him chicken so you could skip class. And oh, and then uh, you chose to go in the Marine Corps. And and anyone that wants the deeper details of the story, it's absolutely fantastic. That was our segment that we just played right there. So we're going to pick the story back up right now, mm-hmm. at this point in time when you've chosen to go to the Marine Corps. You're 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 flying to Hilton Head, you said. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, there's Hilton Head, Savannah International Airport. I think that's what it's called. Um, and then and you get off the plane, and what happened to your body? What happened to you once you got off that plane? Well, well, they gave us no instructions. They just said, hey, here, just get on a plane. Okay. So, you know, normally when you fly somewhere, you make some kind of an arrangement for somebody to pick you up or you get a rental car. Nothing happened. They just said, here, fly here. So we got there, right? And you can easily pick you us say out. We. About f- you say we. How many? About five of us. Okay. Five of us from the Orlando so office. Someone within that five knew what was going on. The other four of you, you were no. just in the dark. Nobody knew what was going on. Okay. Nobody Good. knew. And you could tell who was who. 
Yeah. Because people had, you know, like their sweaters and a name tag on. We right. were the only ones that are playing with stupid name tags, right? <laughs> and I, I, I didn't realize what that was for yeah. until we got off the plane and we're like, we have no what idea happened? where to go. What happened to you? Then we got these, I don't know, there's two sergeants and a corporal. Yo! Screaming from across the terminal. And obviously we look over, like, yep, that's them. They came, picked us up. And then we went to this weird room in the, uh, at the airport and we waited there for two hours. And it was, it was about, I want to say 1030 at night. So it's an interrogation. No, it was weird. They gave us, they gave us a sandwich and they gave us a drink and we were watching Rudy. And the guys were like, yeah, hey, yeah. We're How is this a bad time? <laughs> I'm it's on vacation. Weird. I'm in Carolina. No, I'm watching not, football it's like, movies. It's 1030 at night. Yeah, this and is we're great. watching Rudy. Yeah. So we're there for a few hours, right? So sure. it's like midnight now. And uh, next thing you know, bus is here. Come on. All right. So we will get in this bus and we go to this other place. I don't know what it was. We picked up about 20 more people. And next, to, so we were the first ones in the bus. We picked up 20 more people and then we drove a good 45 minutes. You know the best it, part about this? I'm going to let uh-huh. you in on a little trade secret. So the bus arrived and picked you guys up, drove around in a couple circles, went back to where you were, picked up more people, <laughs> drove around a bit more. Because that, that's the one thing that will blow your mind. And I'm not trying to hijack your life story, but the distance between the airport and your actual destination that you're about to tell us about is like a five-minute drive. So <laughs> It's not. It's okay. It's not. <laughs> people know where the Hilton Airport is. So <laughs> it's the, but, but anyway, so we're driving, and it was a 45-minute drive, I remember. And up until the 40-minute mark, the bus driver has said two words to us, nothing. And it's about midnight, 1 a.m., and we're – we're quiet. Everybody's quiet. Nobody's saying a word. We finally get through the gates of Paris Island, and that's where the bus driver starts yelling. And I'm like, either this guy was a drill instructor the entire time, <laughs> or he is a retired drill instructor, and he misses it, or he couldn't get in, and this is the only way he can talk shit to recruits. One of those three things happen. <laughs> He's yelling at us. He's like, put your head up and look straight. Listen to my voice. You scream, I, sir. And I'm like, we're not even at Paris Island yet. So so for anyone that doesn't know, what is Paris Island, Ricky? Paris Island is the recruitment training depot for the United States Marine Corps. Anybody that recruits from any state east of the Mississippi River, get they go train to Paris Island, South Carolina. It is the first and the oldest Marine Corps training depot. Anybody who recruits west of the Mississippi, they go to Marine Corps Recruiting Group of San Diego in California, a.k.a. Hollywood Marines. <laughs> that's that's So Paris Island is notorious because it literally is an island in South, in Beaufort, South Carolina. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a really interesting time once we got there. So so you're you're uh, not doing the best in high school. You, you're making these life choices like you were talking yeah. about. This is like uh, uh, Gangsta's Paradise, that movie, yeah. in a way. And then you choose to take a different path. You show up. You're driving through the gates. You got an old guy yelling at you that's driving a bus. And instantly in your head, you're like, I'm not in Orlando anymore, right? Now, that, so the best way I can describe boot camp is the movie The Matrix. Why? Because you, you believe this one world exists. 
until you hop on that bus and then you get off and then you hop on those yellow footprints, then that's that is the equivalent of Morpheus pulling the thing out of the back of your head. And like, oh, this is the real life. Because up until that point, I, I, I've known only one type of life. And that's the life with my mom, with my family, and my brothers. And then uh, I hop on that bus, and it was something completely different. So yellow footprints, let's talk about that. So as soon as we, uh, as it, the, the bus driver is yelling at us, we drive a little bit around, and it's about 1.32 in the morning, and the bus finally stops. The door opens, and next thing you know, the bus driver ain't saying shit anymore. This guy comes in, and I forgot his name. I forgot his name. Um, it, it, it's a, but I, I know he, he was a staff sergeant. It was probably Clarence. No, it wasn't Clarence. <laughs> it was it, it was not Clarence. Uh, he just storms in the bus, and I remember because I'm like, that has got to be the biggest dude I have ever seen in my life. He was like seven foot one, and huge, huge black guy. Oh, Vickers, Come in, staff sergeant. Vickers? No, oh, oh man, Vickers. Oh, no, you a- know what? He could have been Vickers. Um, he comes in and, and, and I could tell he was big because he had to duck down from the outside of the bus to get into the bus. Right? <laughs> and he starts yelling. And next thing you know, I'm thinking, man, this bus driver got a, a, a damn, a damning voice until this cat showed up and he started yelling. Ever heard somebody or sound so hard and so impactful that, you know, you feel your glasses shake. That's the kind of sound I heard from that guy. And I had glasses because they told me don't wear contact lenses with your glasses. And he was yelling so loud. All right. And everybody got out the bus, gave him the yellow footprints. And okay. We got so, the so, footprints. so at this point, you're in the seat. You're wearing your Jenkos. You got your braided belt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? A, paint the picture. Paint the picture with the words. Paint the picture with the words. I had the, the baggy pants. Yeah, I had the baggy pants. And uh, Outcast was big at that time. Um, so yeah, no, I, I just had my glasses, my Tommy Hilfiger shirt, some weird looking pants and my, uh, my, my, my fro. I had a fro. You had a fro. I had hair. I had oh, hair. no doubt. Really? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I All right. So yeah, what, a- so you're on these, uh, footprints. Uh, so these footprints are laid out in a, in a way that you have to stand. Is that right? I'm trying to coach you along. I could tell your story for you from this point, but it's okay. Come on. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, because there's going to be people listening to this that don't know, what mm-hmm. is the significance of these footprints, and why do you keep talking about them? So these yellow footprints are famous in the Marine Corps because that that as soon as you stand there for a reason, that signifies your first step that you're taking from civilian life into being a Marine. And that is the very first official step once you step on those footprints. And those footprints are famous because they've been there since, I believe, Paris Island was was put in place, which was in the early 1900s. Um, so, yeah, so those footprints are there. And ever since then, I have gone back to Paris Island like many, many years later after I got out. And I've taken pictures of my son standing on those footsteps. Hopefully one day when he graduates high school or college, and he says, I want to do that, too. So we got a picture for that. So that holds a very special place in my past. Uh, I'm sure you do, too, uh, because you you stood in those same steps at one point or another. Uh, so that's when it's it's you're tired. You haven't slept very well. You're nervous and people are yelling at you left and right. And then you walk through those silver hatches. And that is uh, the only time that I've ever walked or you have ever walked through those silver hatches. 
because that's the only that's the only people who are allowed to walk through there is civilians about to become Marines and drill instructors. Nobody else. So then from that point forward, it's just magically happening. You are you walk through there and it's like bippity boppity boo, just like on the ticky tocky. You're magically a Marine and you're doing all these wonderful things. You're, you're jumping out of helicopters and and fighting <laughs> baby seals. Like, what what are you doing? What are you doing? I'll tell you what, bippity boppity boop is 100 percent right. Because that's what was happening every minute of the day, me wishing I wasn't there. That sucked, brother. I went in October of 1995, the end of October of 1995. And then um, uh, once I got there and I'm I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to be here for Thanksgiving. I'm going to be here for Christmas and New Year's as well. Awesome. Great time for me to pick to come to Paris Island. And uh, we got there, and it was weird, man. He, he, to me, it was weird because they put us in a squad bay, uh, and we're still in receiving. They're issuing us our gear. You're filling out all, all these documentation. We go into this receiving squad bay, and it was it's this big open area. It has about, I don't know, 25 bunk beds, and there's, there's 50 of us. And they gave us some chow, some food, about 3 in the morning. Go sleep for three hours and then get up. We're going to do some PT. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm still fuzzy because I'm getting all these shots and I'm still being doing, um, they're doing all this medical stuff. And I get my, uh, they took away my glasses. And they gave me some BCGs. You know what BCGs What are BCGs, are? Rick? BCGs, they're, it's. And it's by the way, acronym. real quick, if I could just real quickly interrupt. Your microphone is going up higher, and we're getting oh, a harder, harder sorry. time to hear you. If you just got want it. to bring that down and get your mouth right on it a little bit better, it'd be great. Go got ahead. you. Got you. Right there. Got it. So uh, BCGs is an acronym, birth control glasses. So Come they on. gave me these birth control glasses. <laughs> so, JC, why do you think they're called? Why do they call them that, Rick? Glasses? Because they are so disgusting and so ugly that nobody is going to want to get with you. Boom. Birth <laughs> control glasses. BCGs. Let me tell you, JC, I've heard about these glasses and I tried them on. I looked at the mirror. They are 100% spot on what the name implies. They are freaking <laughs> ridiculous. I look like, you know that old guy from the movie Up? Yeah. Picture yeah. those glasses. Like that guy. Only, only bigger. Right. Wider. And the frame is more defined. No, very, was, very millennial. No, it looked it looked like I was I don't know deep sea diving. It, oh, it just geez. looked weird, man. Yeah, gotcha. it was. Gotcha. So I had that fine, right? And we do the what do they call it? The IST initial strength test. All right. The pull ups, whatever. We're, we're running, doing our things. Anyway, I spent about three days at receiving, and then our um, our platoon picked us up. Platoon two thousand sixty Hotel Company, second battalion. It was crazy. Why? We were on the first. Why was it crazy? We had our senior drill instructor, this tall guy. And I remember his staff sergeant soul song. He was um, one of the crew sheets from a CH-53 Echo helicopter, super, a C-step. And uh, he came in and he was a skinny, skinny guy. I have never heard such a loud voice come from a skinny guy. And he was yelling so hard. Letting us know he's the senior drill instructor, and these are his assistants, the other drill instructors, and this and that. And he's yelling, and he is right next to my ear. 
there's real sitting down and he's uh, the battalion commander, the serious commander is telling us, hey, this is your senior drill instructor, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, and for some reason, he took to a liking to me because I pushed quite a bit. I was in the quarter deck quite a bit. And for people who don't know, the quarter deck is an area in a squad bay where if you mess up or if the drill instructor does not like you, they send you to the quarter deck and you have to do incentive training. So and did they not like you or or you kept messing up? What what happened? I want to think they didn't like me, but I'm a, almost 100% sure I just kept messing up. <laughs> I just kept messing up all the time. You didn't man. have stripes on your shirt, did you? No, I did. I did have stripes on my shirt. Yeah, I was a big kid, man. Could be part of the reason. Yeah, no, all could be that. Yeah, it could yeah. be that. But I got to tell you, I I passed that IST with flying colors. And I think they said um, whether well, I should be in a diet tray or not. But eh, whatever, he'll be all right. But next thing you know, I'm on the quarter deck, bro. I am the quarter deck quite a bit. And I got a story about that. But I get to that later about a letter I received. But I get to that piece later. But anyway. So we got there, and if you go to Marine Corps boot camp, it's 13 weeks, three phases, uh, or 12 weeks, three phases. And the first phase, they keep cutting your hair every week. And you, you're 100% bald, and they strip you down of your identity. They strip you down of who you think you are, make you work as a team. You can't say I. God help you if you say I, because uh, uh, they will really, really mess with you. And uh, I made a huge mistake. In, uh, one, uh, it's my second week there. One of the drill instructors uh, sneezed, and I'm like, "Oh, bless you!" Yeah, huge mistake, bro. Why was that because, a mistake, Rick? Because he looked at me. He's like, "Who struck that?" And I looked over. I'm like, <laughs> "I did, Staff Sergeant. I did." So next thing you know, I'm on the quarter deck again. I'm pushing until dear life. A because I said I instead of this recruit, and B because I said bless you. And the reason he said, and I quote, I, I, or, or I'm paraphrasing, is there is no room for blessing in the Marine Corps. Well, Roger, that's that, Roger. <laughs> I guess that works. Fair enough. But yeah, man, it was a, it was a, the first of many instead of training that I had in my 12 weeks day. Yeah, man. Go ahead. I see you. I see you looking at me. What questions do you have about that first phase? No real questions. I mean, it's your story. It's your path. I'm just helping guide this journey right now. So, I mean, your entire Marine Corps service and time was spent in boot camp. I mean, something had to have changed or happened. <laughs> like, so, all right. So let me fast forward because nobody wants to hear about what boot camp is like. But I got to tell you, somebody, somebody, I'm not going to mention his name, but it's a good buddy of mine who I worked with in Back to the Future. And he was a Marine as well, but he was a reservist. All right. Uh, so he knew what I was going to go. Through. Did he go with you? No. Are you there together? No. 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 Okay. He was. He's been in for about two years when I when I decided to sign up. All right. So next thing you know, it was my. Wait, the well, end of, he he was in the Marine Corps for two years by that time when you chose to sign up. So he correct. he had gone through boot camp and his trainings and with his reserve time, he's been in the Marine Corps for about six months. Got it. <laughs> I got it. Active time, yes, six months. Regular time, two years. You're uh, right. Just checking. Just you know. Got. I got you. I got you. So anyway, um, I am. So I'm cleaning. At the end of every night, we have to clean our rifles, clean our boots, and shine our boots or whatever. So I'm cleaning my uh, my rifle, and I hear Stetson and Solson yell loud, "Recruit bias!" Like, yes, sir. Quarter deck down, motherfucker. I'm, it's sorry. 
So he calls me up. I go to the quarter deck. He's like, push. And I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. And I have no idea why I'm there. I was doing nothing. I was just shining my, sh- my, uh, my uh, uh, boots. I was uh, uh, cleaning my rifle. And he's like, push. All right, run in place. So I'm running in place. I'm doing um, side straddle hops. I'm doing crunches. I'm doing mountain climbers. 20 minutes there. And he's looking at me. Do you know why you're here, Bias? I'm like, no, sir, I do not. So he throws. So I got a, a puddle of sweat in front of me, right? Yeah. On the floor. He throws a letter that I received from my friend who has been through it before. JC, on the outside of that letter, he wrote a bunch of sentences that the drill instructors just did not like. What, what, what was written on this letter? So on the upper left-hand corner of the envelope is his address. In the center of the envelope is my address. Everywhere else on the envelope, front and back, is different phrases like recruit bias thinks the senior drill instructor is a punk. Recruit bias believes that his grandmother can run faster Stop. than the drill instructor. Recruit buyer thinks and all these things. And I'm like, this mother effer, I'm going to kill him. When I get out of here. Anyway, so I'm there for a half hour to 45 minutes and I am pissed. But let me tell you, I was running in place like a demon. I was pushing like a demon. Drill instructors are happy because they see me pissed off. He was like, that's what I want to see. And I'm like, I'm going to kill this cat when I get out of here. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you. <laughs> Talk about getting you pumped up, man. So anybody out there listening who has a loved one in boot camp currently, please do something like that. Trust me, they will appreciate it 25 years later. They really will. You really have so, not forgotten that. I have not. And that no. happened in 1995, December 1995. I remember that. And I'm like, I'm not going to say his name, but I've talked to him since then. I'm like, you are an a-hole. Good job, Danny. But it was awesome. It was All right. Awesome. So, so as you move forward through the timeline here, in, the, in that boot camp phase, uh, anything else stand out to you before you? No, nah, not really. No? no, just regular boot camp stuff. And we did the boot camp thing. We did. You know what? I learned a lot about myself. What do you I mean? I really did it. Like, like a lot of people have. I, I'm not a big runner. I'm not. Do you know this? I'm the slowest guy ever. And um, when I went to boot camp and when the I would run a mile for the ISD, and I'm freaking dying. And then I remember when we first did a boots and utes, and that's when you run in boots and utilities and the rifle. And the senior drill instructor is like, all right, we're going to go 14 miles. And I'm like, we're going to do what? 14 <laughs> miles? <laughs> what are you kidding me? And I'm thinking in my head, we can't do this. But it was so far along in training that after 10 miles, you're like, okay, give me 10 more. Yeah. Give me 10 more. Right. Give me 10 more. So I learned a lot about myself that I didn't think I could do. So um, it, it, it's the rest of boot camp was pretty much like that, right? So, so your your world had been loosely defined up until this point in time, not not extremely loosely, but I mean, in comparison, structurally speaking, in in, in finding yourself, in the strength in yourself, or or trusting and confiding in others, your roots, the things you've been through, this this was one of the defining moments in your life at this point in time. I like how you said that it was loosely defined because I honestly thought my life, I'm like, boom, I know what I'm doing. This ain't nothing up until I went to boot camp. When I went to boot camp, like, I don't know shit. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the world is like. And, 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 and 
So in the last episode, you remember when I said that it was a culture shock yeah. for me to go to Orlando. It was another culture shock for me to go to Paris Island. So that was my, 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 my first time going and staying in, a, in South Carolina. And I was, I was in boot camp with some people from all over the nation, from West Virginia, from Kentucky, from New York, from Virginia, you know, any state east of the Mississippi. And I, 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 I've met some people that otherwise I would not have met. And I've heard some stories about some of those states that otherwise I would not have heard. So one of the things that I appreciate about boot camp is that it kind of forces you to cry the same tear, bleed the same blood for the same reason. And it doesn't matter where you're from. And that's where my love from, from diversity pretty much started from there. And I didn't know it was going to be so, such an impact for me until later on in my HR career. But it really just started boot camp. So it, mandatory church on Sundays, that, that had big impact on you as well. No, we didn't have mandatory church with our series. I mean, they asked us if we wanted to go. And I went because I thought that's what I had to do. And I, I just went because, again, I grew up Catholic. Answer, answer me a question. Do you know anyone that voluntarily said, no, I won't go? Quite a few, actually. Seriously? Quite a few. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quite a few. Yeah. Quite a few. So they just wanted to you just never have one of those stories where it was like, hey, uh, you don't love the baby Jesus's mothers and friends. You've got some work to do. You know, you <laughs> no, never heard no. stuff like that. No, no, no? I did not. Okay. You, you did. I can't say me in particular. Uh, this is your life story right now. Ah, I got it. I got it. No, um, I went a couple of times and a couple of times I stayed back. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to stay and do my thing. Um, but yeah, dude. And I, I, I got to tell you, man, in second battalion, it's uh, the where a squad bay is, is literally right across the street from the parade deck where you can see and hear all the graduations every Friday. Yeah. And <laughs> if you in third battalion, you're on the other side of the island. You don't get to see the parade deck first and second battalion. You get to see people graduating. You're like, holy crap. It's all it feels like it's been three months. It's only been four days. <laughs> this is going to suck. And every Friday, you get to see people graduate. But I don't know about you, JC. To me, what the biggest indicator for me was that I'm like, holy crap, we're really going to make it out of this. For the every week, every Thursday or whatever, we had to go get a haircut and, and, and they shave you completely bald. But it's not until you're in the last part of the last phase that they cut your hair and they leave a little bit on top. That's when you know you're almost done. And to me, to us, we were like, oh, man, is this, the, is this it? Is this, is this the Thursday that we get a little bit of patch of hair? That means we're almost done? Yeah, no, no, because our drill instructors didn't tell us what training day it was. They didn't tell us what was next. We just found out as soon as we finished chow, and in 10 minutes, we had to do the next training evolution. For three months, that's what we did. So we did that, graduated January 12th. I think it was January. So it's like borderline C-suite preparation. <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty much, right? <laughs> Here it is, right? Just, just don't be ready for anything, right? No, we did that in uh, January two thousand, no two thousand, January nineteen ninety six. Graduate. Um, my mom. I remember this like if it was yesterday, dude. My mom saw me, and she was so pissed at how skinny I was. 
Like she was mad. Like li- like mad. She's like, "Where is your drill instructor? I'm gonna talk to him right now." I'm like, "No, we're gonna get the no, hell out of here. <laughs> we're gonna get the hell. Let's get in the van. Let's get the hell out of here. We ain't talking shit. Get in the van. We're leaving now." And uh, yeah, we left and uh, did that for. We, I was home for ten days, and then we did Marine combat training in uh, in uh, Camp Geiger. We did that for a little bit, and after that. Moved over to my communications training in 29 Palms, California. One of the greatest places on earth right there. <laughs> oh, man, do I have some memories there, bro. It's a beautiful place. It really is. It really is, man. It, it, it's it's just nowhere but sand everywhere you look. It's in Indio, California. It's in the middle of the Mojave Desert, about an hour outside of Palm Springs, California. And that is when we did uh, communication school. And did that for what? Three, two, three months. I forgot what it was. We did that, and I got orders to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, a.k.a. North Kakalaka. And that's when I started my Marine Corps career. And I got there. The first so at the, person at this I, point, at this point, like the job that you signed up for, the things that you're thinking about doing with your life at this point in time, at this early age, not knowing what your future was going to hold, you already said in the other program, you're waiting on the delayed entry program, all the yep. specialty stuff taking place, communications, you mentioned that. So now you're heading into this role where you're you're doing human resources for the Marine Corps? <laughs> no, brother. You know what? Remember I said my recruiter never lied to me. And I, I I thanked him for that because I did sign up for communications. And he's like, you want communications bias? We're going to give you communications. That's exactly what he did. So I was in uh, my last couple of days in 29 Palms after comm training. Because I'm like, okay, he did it. All right. I'm in communication, right? It, it's a, So I'm there and uh, I get orders. So 2nd Battalion, 10th Marines. So we're over in uh, in uh, uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. I check into an artillery unit. So that is where I'm at. All right. Let's just pause right here real quick, and we can cut it later. I don't know. Where did I leave off? I don't know. You had you said you had to scratch something. Just go on. <laughs> so what? What do you got? No, so he dude, says so, I'm gonna put you in communications or whatever, right? No, yeah. So it's I I so my my last couple of days in um in 29 Palms what Palms <laughs> Palms they told us where where everybody was gonna go and they told me Second Battalion 10th Marines which is an artillery unit in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So from there we fly straight to Jacksonville, North Kakalaka, North Carolina. And I take a nice little Greyhound bus over to see, um, back then was Gunny McLean and, uh, Captain Sackerson. Man, I miss those guys. They were awesome. And they're like, go ahead and check. I- I'm, I'm checking in. I'm checking in in my alphas. And they send me to my room and I meet my very first roommate in the core. And his name is Darpo. That's his nickname. I'm, I'm not going to mention his real name. So wait a second though. You, you never had roommates before this? No, this is my first. No, actually, no. To be honest, because at eighteen, you have years private old, rooms with my mom. No, but no. I mean, like in boot camp and other places, like you had private suites and, and like <laughs> no, there, was, there was, a, was like solitary confinement. Forty nine other people. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so now it's you and this man by yourselves. Darpo, man. Darpo was the man. Why? This. 
He uh, he was interesting, man. His his cat loved the guy, man, out of Modesto, California. And he was big on camping and big on everything. And as soon as I got into the uh, into the uh, um, barracks, first thing he says, uh, hey, pig, want a beer? That's the first words he said to me. And I'm like, did he just call me a pig? <laughs> but he, I, it, it took me some time for me to realize he calls everybody pig. A uh, term of endearment right there. I love the guy, man. Love him. Anyway, so yeah, man. So And uh, I think it was we went on two fuel ops. And then the, I don't know, it was sometime in 1996, there was a, uh, a hurricane, a big hurricane in North Carolina. And um, I know um, whenever a hurricane hits the Emerald Coast, it was, uh, I forgot what it was, man. It, it's, I, 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 was it 96, 97? Do you remember, JC? There were, there were three of them back to back. Were they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, all I know that... Um, it's uh, in the barracks in the weekend it gets really interesting because you are PFC. You have no money. You don't have a car. You can't go anywhere. Depends if it's the first or the fifteenth. That's when you get paid. So you had no money. So it's it gets even worse when a hurricane hits. So when a hurricane hits, the water's out, the power's out, and you have nothing else to do but drink whatever beer you had somebody else buy for you because you wasn't old enough to buy it yet. You're old enough to shoot somebody and blow things up, but you're not old enough to have a beer. Roger that. And um, next thing you know, this guy, this pasty guy walks out and says, hey, you want some pierogies? I'm like, what the hell is some pierogi? And I go to his room, cook some pierogies, and introduce me to this thing called Labatt's Blue Beer. And uh, that's where I met Mr. JC. Because apparently he was a pierogi You met me well before that, though. I remember you no, showing up and, and moving in with DARP. That's when I, when I first really got to know you because I'm like, what the hell is a pierogi? <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm being schooled on the old Polish art of, of pasta and this beer that I've never had before. And I love Texas Pete hot sauce, and I, but I never had it with pierogies. And I'm like, you're going to fry that with butter and then you're going to add hot sauce and then you're going to dine it with a beer? I kind of like this guy. That's my boy. <laughs> and uh, boom, that's when the uh, old JC and Ricky thing started. And uh, next thing you know, we're going to all these uh, all these field ops and to Fort Bragg. And, and driving down to Orlando home. in an old VW. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about that, man. Yeah, it's up to you. It's your story. That. I'm, I'm yeah, down for yeah, any yeah. of it. So um, JC bought this thing called a Carmen Ghia. And before I even knew what a Carmen Ghia was, actually, no, I, I just didn't know what it was. He's like, hey, let's go to Orlando. I got a car. I'm like, okay, cool. What do you got? A Carmen Ghia. I'm like, what the hell is that? And there's an old Volkswagen. If you can picture an old blue convertible boats, tiny boats, and that's what it – what year was that Carmen Ghia? 72. 72 Carmen Ghia. Yeah. Got it. And it was a drop top. And what was it? Every three hours we had to stop because it, it, it was overheating. Yeah, it was overheating on the road just a little bit. <laughs> it didn't do well in the hot weather. <laughs> no, it did not, man. And uh, I remember um, in the Marine Corps, whenever, I mean, you know, we sometimes had the uh, Saturdays and Sundays off. But when it was a, a holiday weekend, we called that a 96. And that was 96 hours of liberty. So that's four days. 
So on the ninety six, we either go to New York or just go to Orlando. Orlando was just easier than going to New York. It was a quick nine and a half, eight, you know, nine, nine and a half hours. I didn't have a car. Oh, actually, no, I had an old Toyota Tercel. But JC is like, let's go to the Carmen Ghia, man. You, you wound up bringing that Tercel into the picture not too long after that. Yes, I, I do I recall did, yeah. numerous rides in that one right there. Yeah, but driving down to Orlando when you're 19 years old, you have no money. We got no cell phones back then. We just follow a map. Uh, the car had o- o- it overheats every two or three hours. And we're in Orlando. I don't even know how, how we got to Orlando, but even in Orlando, um, there's a couple of times where the car kind of stalled on us. Yeah, in the middle of a huge intersection. <laughs> yeah, it was. I remember that. <laughs> but you know what was a really defining moment for us? One time we went down with a good friend of ours from Texas. And uh, us three were in the Carmen Gear. And we're driving back up. And I remember we went to a club first because we're like, we need to get back to Orlando, to, uh, to Camp Lejeune. Like, let's just go get a couple of drinks at a club first. So we go get a couple of drinks, then we start driving. <laughs> and I think it was, North, I don't know, South Georgia or South Carolina, the Carmen Gia just gives out. And it's, it's overheating, and we got nothing to do. It's like 3 in the morning. And I don't know why we decided to do this, but there was hardly any cars on I-95. It, 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 was, it was either you or me or the other guy and me. We kept doing push-ups in the middle of I-95 waiting for the next car to come. Was that you? That was not me. That was the other guy. I'm not going to mention his name. But we're in the middle of I-95 just doing push-ups, waiting to see how close those lights got to us. Once it got close enough to the us that, that we got scared, we just roll out of the way and go back out there. Yeah, we, would, we were bored. We didn't have cell phones. So that's what we did. And got back in the Carmen Ghia and just drove up. And this is where I got to give you some credit, JC. I think, I don't know if it was in the Carmen Ghia or when we drove down one time in the Tercel. And I was bored with the crappy music that we had. Tercel. And you're like, I know exactly yeah. what you're about to say. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, I got something for you, pig. And you pop the CD in. And folks, for those of you who don't know, I'm not very religious right now, but back then I was really big into a Catholic family. I grew up Catholic. That's what my grandma and mommy told me. That's what I should do. But I was big um, in that religion. And then JC puts in this CD, and it's this weird noise. And I look at the cover of the CD. It's this demonic guy uh, by, by the name of Marilyn Manson. And he's playing this music. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be possessed by the time we get to Jacksonville because this shit is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It was so freaking weird. And I'm like, why am I friends with this guy? This is some stupid ass. You need to repeat that like about five or seven times. You liked it better than (laughs) ministry or like some of the other metal that I was putting on. You know, that's fine. So next thing I know, we get to the barracks, and I'm like, hey, what's the name of that CD again? And I bought like four or five different albums <laughs> from Marilyn Manson. Next thing you know, I'm a huge Marilyn Manson fan. Thanks, JC. Hey, really no problem. That. No problem. So <laughs> this is the point in time in the story where you'd say to yourself, okay, I'm going to start to study for my PHR, right? No, dude. No, you're not even <laughs> close to that yet. No, So man. HR is the furthest thing from your mind at this point I, in time in your life. I like don't you know literally what HR have, is. You literally have I, no clue as to I have what no idea. the future is going to hold for you at this point. I don't. I don't. And and, and um, I have no idea what human resources is. That was two years into my tour. 
Um, and then uh, my contract was going to be up in October of 1999. And I believe I could be wrong. JC was. But now May. by this time, you've already traveled the world. You've seen the sights. There's a lot well, of stories we haven't even gotten into yet. That's know, what but. I want to get to, because I think it was the end of 1998, November, October, that we went on a on a med cruise. We went on deployment. I think it was a 26 MU or 24th, one of the MUs, a MU, MEU, Marine Expeditionary Unit, uh, 22, 24, 24th MU. Got it. Okay, got it. Uh, we were on the USS Nassau. So um, JC and I are attached to an artillery, artillery unit. We are communications, and we end up going, man, we went to Spain. We went to Israel. We went to Greece. Where else did we go? We went to... That was the whole Kosovo thing happened, right? And we started doing the whole Kosovo thing. Um, again, they didn't do much there. We were just on mod lock the entire time. And we were just having a great time in all these different countries. And I got to tell you, man, Jerusalem and um, um, Israel was phenomenal. And, and, and to me, that was phenomenal because I know that uh, – I, I think, JC, you, either you were with me or Captain Dave was with me. We went to the Dead Sea. Were, were you with us? No, no, and that's when no, I first that, realized that, that in Captain Israel, Dave. Captain Dave, it was Captain Dave. Yeah. That was um, if you haven't been to the Dead Sea, it's really interesting. Um, it, it's the salt content is a hundred times that of the any oceans and anywhere else, and they call it the Dead Sea because there's no there's no there's no living things there, and you can't drown. You got to be an idiot for you to drown at the Dead Sea because you float. And Captain Dave and I are just in the middle of the Dead Sea with a six-pack of Heineken on our chest, just drinking beer. And I didn't know this, but in Israel, it's not uh, common for people people to wear bathing suits at the beach. They just go into the ocean with their underwear. Oh, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh. Yeah, everybody's wearing their underwear over in in the Dead Sea, putting mud all over them because I guess the mud from the salt. Anyway. So um, I saw a camel drinking Heineken. That was very biblical. And uh, I know that um, <laughs> my uh, – he, here's the weird part, and I've never said this to anybody. And um, She doesn't listen, so it doesn't really matter. Um, my grandmother, huge Catholic, and I mean God help you for anything else, that kind, right? Um, so, you know, in the, meals ready, in the meals ready to eat, the MREs, you get those little t- Tabasco bottles, right? Right. Uh, right. So I will wash them out and I will collect sand for anywhere that I've been, whether it's Jerusalem, whether it's uh, Israel, whether it's Spain, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Right. So I remember I, I, I collected about four or five bottles of, uh, of uh, a Tabasco bottle of sand from Jerusalem and I bring them back home. Right. So we go back. I get out of the, uh, the uh, military and I forgot I had them. And I'm like, let me give this to my grandmother. I didn't know how big she was into her religion until I gave that to her because to her, that was the sand Jesus walked on. She's like, oh, where did you get this? I'm like, oh, that's sand from Jerusalem. Could have been. Okay, JC, I don't know if a camel pissed there the day before. I don't know that, right? So here I am giving that to my grandmother, and she is freaking the F out. I mean, freaking out, made it into a necklace and everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have the heart to tell her. I mean, it was from Jerusalem. But it was just 
an area, right? It wasn't a sand. I mean, it was dirt and sand, but again, it wasn't anything of significance. But she took it that way, and I told my mom, I'm like, you know, mommy, I don't, I don't know <laughs> where in Jerusalem. I just got it. I didn't think anything of it. I forgot to give it to her. Yeah. I just didn't think she was gonna make such a big deal out of it. Anyway, I gave that to her. Um, she still has it to this day. Um, uh, it, it, yeah, it's it's it was a big deal to her, dude. That's anyway, cool. we did that. Got back, um, and I made a decision that I'm done with the core. In October 1999, um, the career planner, aka career jammer, asked me, "What do you want to do? You want to re up or you want to get out?" I'm like, "Nah, I'm just gonna get out, and let me try my luck somewhere else." Um, and that's what I did. October 99, decided to get out and flew for the last time from Camp June to Orlando. Actually, you know what? Now that I say it that way. It's the first time that I flew from Camp Lejeune to Orlando. That's <laughs> <laughs> the first time because normally every time is driving stuff? in you the give, coming gear. You give all your stuff away. Did it? I mean, what'd you do, man? Oh you my ship God. it home. I mean, you had a car. I mean, what, what are you talking about? You just gave well, it all the, up. The car I left that at home right, uh, about a year before. Once I before I went to uh, to on float, I left the car at home. Um, but all my uniform, I sold it, man. I just sold it. Everything. Uh, everything. I sold it, man. I sold my so dress you blues. You weren't going back in. You weren't hanging on. Nothing. Nothing no, to pass down. I was 22. Sell it all. Nah, man. Yeah, I was 22. And, oh, my God, I forgot what, what the stash artist's name was. But I think I was about to leave on a Thursday. And that Monday, I sold everything, all my uniforms and everything. And I forgot the name of that stat. After Big Worm left, God, we got to talk about Big Worm. Damn, we got to talk about Big Worm. After Big Worm left, um, we had a new NCO, a staff NCO that was leading Com. And I forgot his name. Stats aren't something, but he's like, hey, boys, get ready for inspection on Wednesday. I was leaving Thursday, right? So he's telling me I got to wait inspection and do all these things. And I'm like, I don't have my unit. I sold everything. Like, doesn't matter. You're not out until you're out. So I better have that. This I'm like, either spend $400 to buy everything back or just have a conversation with first sergeant. Guess what I did? Had a conversation with first sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hey, first sergeant, here's what's going on. Staff sergeant's doing this, 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 and that. Don't worry, bias. Just get out. Do what you got to do. All right. An hour later, that I forgot his name. That's that sorry, pulls me aside. So you're gonna, gonna call you you're just gonna go go cry to daddy, huh? You're gonna go cry to daddy. Go ahead, I have some freaking Lily and I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> We're not gonna oh, carry shit. on. Yeah. He's he's trying to intimidate me, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Do whatever you gotta do, man. But yeah. Uh first story I said I don't have to do it. So uh I'll be in my room. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All and salty. Then, uh, Look at you. Ah, dude, I was. Isn't it kind of funny though? The term "salty" back then it was uh, someone with experience, someone that was literally on the (laughs) ocean and saw the world, you know. And now "salty" means like uh, you know you're crying in your weedies or something. Old dog, yeah. In the millennial terms, like they took that and rebranded it as something like bad, but back then it was something really good, you know. Back then it was, yeah. Back back then it was, man. But so so JC, this story would not be complete. So you mentioned a guy. You mentioned the name Big Worm. And, and, and most of the to. people that are still listening, and by the way, you are listening to, believe it or not, HR Talk <laughs> uh, with the star of the show, Ricky Bias, in, in the part two introspective into the life and times of the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Ricky Bias. And we are at that hour mark, and we're going to keep pro- pressing forward. We've got a lot more to get through still. But an important 
piece here that you just mentioned. You mentioned the name Big Worm, and a lot yeah. of people hear that, and they instantly think of uh, of a movie. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, so when I got to Camp Lejeune to assign to Fox 210, the communication department was head up by a gentleman by the name of Staff Sergeant Sam Rogers, a.k.a. Big Worm. And he wasn't Big Worm when I got there, right? He became Big Worm about six months later when, or three months later when we were at CACS. And CACS stands for Combined Arms Exercise. And we went over to um, uh, 29 Palms, California and do some desert training there. And uh, it wasn't until – I forgot who it was. Um, but if you've seen the movie Friday <laughs> and with Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, and um, What's going on, when uh, <laughs> yeah 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 towards the end, uh, Smokey obviously smokes weed and Smokey goes ahead and sells weed, but he gets his weed from the from the supplier and his name in the movie is Big Worm. Stasser and Rogers look just like Big Worm, without the perm. Without the perm. <laughs> without the perm. Yeah yeah yeah. So so just like Big Worm, and I remember I don't know if it was Cooper or Pearson that gave him that name. And I'm like, Pearson. Was it Pearson? And I'm like, holy crap, that is big. Yes, it was Pearson. It was Pearson because I remember we were at Cax and Cooper took a chem light and broke it and poured it all over Big Worm's sleeping bag when he was sleeping. And then he pulled them out talking about, look, look, we have a glow worm. We, we have a glow worm in the desert. And if you remember those glow worms back in the 80s, those, uh, some toys or whatever that it glowed or whatever and that was glow worm slash big worm but that was his name big worm and big worm has some amazing sayings and he was an old salty staff sergeant he's been around for a long time about to retire he was about he was about three years from retirement when i got there and um he was just one of the most prolific people and oh my god jc this gotta be a part four because we have yet to talk about gunny Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, dude. So we got you have, big you worm. have no idea how hard it is to partake in these stories and not share my <laughs> perspective, but I'm doing it with intent. You should. I'm doing it with intent because this is your life history and story. And someday I'm more than happy to sit down and share my perspective as well. But, but you're a witness to it. Even though I bore witness hearing your side of it all and and hearing your perspective on it as you move through time and how it influenced you and had impact and bearing on your decision-making process is intriguing. It really is. So you speak of big worm in, in uh, sentimental ways. Did, did he really have an impact on you though? Oh dude. Yes, man. Yeah. You know what though? Because did you view him like a father figure at the time at that young um, age? Did he give you good advisement? Did he bust your chops enough? Not enough. He, no, he did. So it's, it's funny you say that. It's funny you ask that if I viewed him at the fa- as a father at the, at the time. No, not at the time. But looking back at it, he was. He was that father figure, right? Because uh, my mom and dad split early. Um, and I didn't really have a positive role model until I got there, right? And there is, there's Big Worm, right? You know, old salty guy from um, Alabama. And uh, I remember his his biggest joy was telling us what he was going to do at retirement. 
And only thing he said, and I remember, I remember him telling, "Hey, bias, here's what I'm gonna do," and that's that's exactly how he talked. <laughs> I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna give me all house with a front porch. That's right. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get a rocking chair. I'm gonna rock forward. I'm gonna put my left hand on the top of the cooler. I'm gonna rock back. That cooler's gonna open up, bias. And then I'm gonna roll back forward. I'm gonna dig into the cold ice, grab a cold beer, and come on back. And I'm gonna do that three or four times when I'm done with all my beer. And that was his goal for retirement. And damn it if that wasn't true. <laughs> Can I share something with you? <laughs> yeah. One of the first things I did once I bought my house, or once we settled in and, and got things fixed up and, and got the porch all set to go, I bought rocking chairs and a cooler. <laughs> I did. I did. You've seen it. You did the big worm thing. Yeah. You, you did the big worm thing. That was, that was what he too. wanted. I did, man. I know, man. I did. But... I got to tell you, man, an old Lance Corporal, old Lance Corporal, listen to me, as a as a Lance Corporal, uh, which is the rank uh, above PFC and below Corporal, and uh, who didn't PFC, have PFC. That's uh, first that's that uh, Chinese restaurant at the mall. Yes, yeah, PFC, PFC, PFC Changs. Yeah, PFC Changs. No, so uh, as an old, uh, not old, but as a young. Lance Corporal, who didn't know anything about finance, man. Let me tell you, I I got my first car in Orlando right after high school, and then I took it with me to Camp Lejeune, and he's giving me all kinds of advice of what happens if I don't pay that car note, what happens if I don't pay my credit card. So he's giving me some really good advice that I normally would not have had otherwise uh, because he really taught me how to handle my money. He taught me how to be responsible, how to be on time in a weird way. <laughs> he did. Um, but yeah, man, that, that, uh, that's Rogers, man, was a big influence in my life. And, who else, and really who else influenced you pretty strongly freaking, during those years? Freaking Gunny Heiler, man. Why? Gunnery Sergeant Heiler. Who was he? And why did he have impact on you? If anybody has seen the movie Full Metal Jacket, this guy got to our unit about halfway through my contract because at first it was Gunny McLean, and he was like really laid back guy from Texas, right? So he retires or goes somewhere else, and then Gunny Sergeant Hyler comes into play. And this cat was straight. I mean, it doesn't get any more poster than him. He went into the Marine Corps, got out after four years, was a civilian for seven years, then came back in. Started over again, became a drill instructor, and then, and then did some other things. Then came to us as salty and as motivated as he possibly can get. His uniform was so squared away. It looked like he was a life-size G.I. Joe. Who's got the – why is – hang on a second. He's got ribbons from Vietnam. <laughs> Dude, he was out there, bro. He was really out there. Um, and he was, it's, I don't know, again, again, the best record described was going to be Sergeant Hartman from the movie Full Metal Jacket, man. But he was, when we were going humps and runs and he would just yell at us about running fast and doing all these things. And for some reason, his personal life got involved into why he was telling us, because he'll say, you're going to run and you're going to hump until I say, stop. I control you here. I control your thoughts. I control everything you do at home. Only thing I control is the remote out here. I control you. And I'm like, what the fuck? He's having issues at home. He's taking that out on us. <laughs> he was a trip, bro. You know, he was a trip. <laughs> so, yeah, man, that was Hyler, bro. Towards the end. So of he our had he had influence and impact on you. 
Because he, he yelled um, at you? No, no, because okay. because he this this cat, he didn't he did not accept he did not accept anything half assed. He did not. And you know he did not. I was not allowed to call you Connor. Well, you know, your last name. <laughs> right? I was not allowed to to do that. I would have to say Lance Corporal or Corporal or Sergeant, right? So anybody, regardless of their rank, you have to be proper with it. And he was so squared away, and he expected everybody to be the same thing, that he we had no choice but to respect him, right? And to me, I'm like, okay, this is – if I'm going to stay in, this is who I'm going to be. If I'm going to get out, I'm going to use that same veracity to go to school and do whatever I got to do. And that's how he impacted me, man. That cat says tell you something. we do someone, not accept anything happening. Someone in that chain was playing Moneyball at one point in time. They had to have been. Now, think about this. You go from like a, a three and a half, four gun battery, right? And you're pushing that up to like seven to nine. And you're gearing up to go overseas and do all this craziness and whatnot. <laughs> Yeah, they stacked the deck when they built that one, brother. They did, you. you know, they did because it was it was Gunny Heiler, and then the first sergeant who came in was First Sergeant Davidson, later Sergeant Major Davidson, who's a good friend of ours, and Gunny Heiler, and his antics, and and first back then, uh, First Sergeant Davidson and his antics, when those two got together. Bro, we were the most squared away battery unit in Camp Lejeune. But then, if you take and a I, look, if you take a look around, at, 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 I don't want to trample on your your life story no, too much ahead, here. Bro. But go ahead, go if ahead. You, if you take a look around at some of the people that we were in with at the same time, and and you compare the level that they pushed us all to, and what some of those people went on to do, you know, to find out that. One of the guys wound up being the the sergeant major in charge of all of Paris Island at one point in time. That's true. So that that influence that influenced you also influenced others and was part of something that was carried forward that influenced hundreds or thousands of people past that as well. Dude, you know, and and I still keep in touch with some of the senior leadership back then, and they all tell me the same thing. Fox 210 was it. Fox 210 was the best unit they have ever been in their entire career. And 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 I'm not gonna lie. It's because of those two, Sergeant. You know what? Those three or four, because you had Sergeant Major Davison, you had Gunny Heiler, you had Stessaron Rogers, and then you had some amazing officers, man. Back then, you had Captain Harrison, now retired Colonel Harrison, and then you had Lieutenant Benson, now Fulbert Colonel Benson. You had some good, good mother. Dude, it's I can't even say it. We had some really, really good people there, right? And these folks were out there, and 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 and, and what they brought to the table made this unit one of the best units that anybody has ever been. And don't of. forget, Lockie, right? Lockie, he came on the friggin' show, Rick. I'm trying to be kind. Okay, hold on. You mean Lucio? There you go. I was trying to yeah, give you keywords. I'm, I'm like, like Ricky, what the hell on. are you talking about? Locky. <laughs> Locky. Locky. I'm like trying to give you keywords to jog your I'm memory. Thinking hockey? Lieutenant Colonel. You're La dropping hockey? all these names, but one of the guys that actually no, came on right. the friggin' right. show. No, you forget Lucio about. was with us, man. Sweet yes. Jesus. Yes. Great. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? But you're giving me that look, and I'm like, what? 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 Do I have something on my forehead? What's going on? Ew, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Colonel Lucio was uh, was, uh, with, was with us as well, man. But I'm telling you, we had a heck of a unit. And 
it, it's, you know, I still talk to you. There's a bunch of other people that I still talk to and up all the way till the end, man. That that unit right there really shaped everything else I've done since then. But HR was the farthest thing. I, I didn't even know. Even it all the existed. way up to that point. Not even not even a glimmer in the eye. Not even nope, a thought nothing. in the back of the head. Nope. So these are all nothing just all. things that have helped define who you are, where you are. You fly back to Orlando. Your time is done. You sold off everything you had. You you threw the middle finger at the people above you. You ran away. You 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 were scared. Now you're home. You're crying. <laughs> you're like, I want to go back. Like, no, what's happening? What what happened to you? You know what? I'll tell you this. Um, I got out and it was exciting and scary at the same time. And I'm not going to lie, man. I went into about a year of a weird alcohol phase because I got out and this is as personal as I'm going to get. I got out and I didn't know how to deal with the <laughs> with uh, how to get out from that weird life that they beat me into. And now that I'm out and now I'm supposed to be doing this nine to five type of thing and I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, and I got to tell you, man, when you... When you go to boot camp, they prep you before you go to boot camp. While you're in boot camp, they really beat the the uh, the uh, ceremonies and they beat the traditions in you. And then you got to live a certain way for four years and then you decide to get out. And they give you this really, really intensive four-hour class on how to be a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I guess that works. No, I don't know. They might do it a little bit different now, transitioning out uh, of four of hours service, but – yeah, it, there wasn't a whole lot of getting ready for the the real world. Thank you, <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, there was not. Yeah, it was. Just Let me weird, program man. you for four years, but tomorrow you're gone. Just <laughs> just go done. deal with that yeah. shit. Yeah, you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. So um um, I did my my steps class and I got out and flew to Orlando and um, it was uh it was a weird transition and I think this is a good point to kind of stop before I go into whatever comes next into the next phase into my life uh, until part three. Cause oh, then you, we, then you do want to pause. They have. Yes. Yeah. Because this now, not now it gets a little bit nutty. Okay. Now it's going to get a little bit nutty. And I think that's, that's a whole nother episode. Sure. You know yeah. what? I cut you off in the first one and you're cutting yourself off in the second. It's completely fine. <laughs> Completely fine. Look, we, uh, we normally do record the show on Sundays. It is currently Monday. A lot of crazy yeah. things happening all over the world. There's been yeah, uh, did, a, a lot of crazy stuff happening in your neck of the woods as well, as a lot of people are uh, getting back to work. A lot of states are heading back into uh, an active status and whatnot. Uh, a lot of changes taking place consistently. So I want to thank you very much for remaining flexible. I, I do understand you had to work all weekend and uh, all the way up till today, uh, finally having a break uh, so that we can record this show. So for anyone that is uh, missing the program, no, we're not re-releasing an episode from 2018. That was just an old <laughs> clip of the uh, face of the franchise that the intern put on uh, some of the social media. But this yeah. program is going to be out there. If, uh, if you have any questions uh, for Ricky, this is, uh, as we're wrapping here, the end of part two in the Life Saga in the three to five part miniseries. Um, and, and there will be a lot more as we move forward in this uh, semi-self-guided tour of his life. If you have any questions, any feedback, any comments, criticisms, concerns, or uh, you just want to know a little bit more, Ricky, what are some of the best ways people could find you to ask those questions? You know, 
we're on Twitter. I don't, I don't know if you knew that. So we're an at podcast HR. We are on HR Talk Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You know what? We're on TikTok. HR Talk Podcast or HR Talk or HR Talk Show. I don't know what it is. I'm still figuring it out, bro. HR Talk Podcast. There it is. Got it. Thank you. Tiki Taki. It's uh, really got the best of me. Um, we are on there too. Um, our interns are working really hard to make sure we get to put some content down there. Email us, hrtalk at biasco.com. You can call us, text us, 407-501-8425. Please give us a like, give us a comment, let us know what you think on our any platform where you download the show. We love to hear from you. Hey, Ricky, for people that aren't that adept into the uh, the entire thing that we're doing here, I do just have to let them know, this guy is the star of the show. We've done 234 episodes thus far, and now Damn. you are getting to get to know him. Oddly, only there's 195 available on many of the podcast applications yeah, that are out I there. I don't know what's going on with some of the older historical programs. We will get that squared away for the future. Karen. Um, yeah. Thanks again, Karen, for all your help <laughs> job, along the Karen. way. And uh, yeah. again, special kudos going out to the intern and uh, to... Uh, to Honey Pooh for all that you do, uh, keeping things held together in the A1A Beachfront Studios. Lord knows that Ricky couldn't do it without you, and uh, right. you're you're a very important. But just anyone that doesn't know that dog, Ricky and that dog, they got a tight bond. Just more kisses, right, Rick? That's right. Yeah, sure. Whatever you say. Honey Pooh. Honey Pooh. The dogs Hi. and all Honey dogs Pie. right there. Uh-huh, that's right. And speaking right. about small dogs, there is a clip that's up on the TikTok right now. Ricky talking about his dogs uh, during a keynote speech. Stop by the Tiki Talkie to see that one, as well as many other pieces of data and information. Once again, on behalf of Ricky, Senior Executive Lucy, the intern, Karen, Terrence, Honey Poo, the entire team, I'm JC. Drive safe. Have a good night. <laughs>